Ah, yes, I bet you weren't expecting that wonderful sound here on a Wednesday in February, the final day of February. That means we're just days away from Selection Sunday. Welcome to the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast, a special midweek installment. I'm Luke Near, your host. The boys could not make it in because they still have professional lives. They still have lives in general, although Vegas Mike Jaffe, I think he's on the brink. I'm just leaving it all behind and going full-time college basketball fan slash analyst slash gambler slash person of interest in the game. So stay tuned for that development. Uh, he's been prolific on the Twitter handle and on our text message. But anyway, we've got a lot of business to get to with a one-on-one interview. We did a deep dive on the number one ranked Virginia Cavaliers our last episode, but now it's time to go to the triangle and pay attention to two specific teams who are right up there at the top of the ACC standings. So with that said, we are glad to be joined now by Lauren Brownlow of WRAL Sports. She is on plenty of outlets, whether that's on the mic or whether she's pounding out some columns. So check her out at WRAL covering triangle teams in the ACC as well. Glad to have her back on the pod. Lauren, greetings. Thanks for having me. Yes, yeah, it's that time of year. We're getting down to crunch time here. So you and I are in the same boat as far as conference tournament week is our favorite of the year. I mean, I, I, I like the ACC tournament, but I, I really enjoy it from selfishly a point of view of like seeing a lot of my That's media true. friends yeah. and you know, seeing some kind of cool storylines unfold. Uh, but or camping I, out I mean, in courtside seating pretty much for, I don't know, right. four yeah, days in a row. Getting a front row seat to some fun, some fun hoops and, and, and all that good stuff and kind of getting to cover some guys you don't always get to see. That part's fun for sure. Um, but, you know, there's really not quite much like the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, though, so I might have to ah. give that the slight edge. Okay. So I was mistaken. Speaking <laughs> of the tournaments... And seeding, I don't want to go over the scenarios right now because it's given me brain issues, cramps, contusions, brain eruptions. I could go on, but that's where my head's at concerning seats two through seven at this point. So we're not going to think about seeding. What we're going to talk about is North Carolina coming off a of senior night, which was spoiled by the Miami Hurricanes and Jaquan Newton. Some deja vu for UNC fans tracking back to the Chris Jenkins shot in the title game a couple years back. But you were there at the Smith Center, also known as the Ding Dong, last night. What was the vibe of the crowd heading into the night? North Carolina firing on all cylinders heading into this one. But Miami came to play. I was very surprised at the outcome. Yeah, I mean, I was and I wasn't. I, I, I was because obviously North Carolina doesn't lose many of those senior night games. It's something that's really important to Roy Williams. And obviously, like you said, they've been playing really well, um, and they're at home, and so you think, yeah, they'll find a way to win this. I think I was most surprised, too, at how just kind of off-kilter they look at times. They they had the kind of turnovers where they would pass to a teammate, and the person wouldn't even be looking for the ball, and they've been pretty in sync offensively, and they really weren't. You definitely saw some tightness, at least I thought so, in person from, from the seniors, Joel Berry and Theo Pinson. Joel kind of settled into the game, as was evidenced by his you know sort of late-game <laughs> explosion there. But uh, Theo Pinson was kind of tight throughout. And, um, I, I, you know, I tend to kind of chalk this up to a, a one-game anomaly for them and certainly one for Miami, too, who, as we've seen in the past, is kind of all over the place this season. They can look great. Um, even yeah. for stretches of a game, they can look great. And then, and then, you know, in the same game, look completely terrible um, inexplicably for like 10 minutes. So they're one of those really weird teams that, you know, hasn't quite put it together. Maybe they'll put it together and actually, you know, start to play well consistently. 
um, you know, night in and night out. Uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not so sure. But we'll see because they've got some really fun and talented pieces. But yeah, I mean, so in that way, I wasn't too surprised by it because I know what they're capable of doing. But I also, you know, I was definitely surprised by how North Carolina played. So describe the emotions of Roy Williams hugging <laughs> Joel Berry for the last time at the Smith Center, and did those emotions protrude not only to the rest of the audience but to you? On press row as well. It's always a great well, moment know, on senior what, night for Huckleberry. Yeah, and th- th- those are good kids. You know, those are nice kids. Theo Pinson's really funny. Um, <laughs> he's always good for a quote or, and, or to, you know, make fun of a teammate or himself. And, you know, we all we all enjoy Theo Pinson around here and have for a while. He's kind of the team joke third. Do you have a favorite Pinson night. story of the year or maybe his career? Anyone that stand out? Any quotes? Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even just last night alone, you know, he was – talking about his dad in the crowd, and he was saying uh, Coach Robinson was just like his dad because they were both bald. He's like, my dad has been to so many of my games. I don't even know how he has a job. And just, you know, he just likes to roast everybody. He just likes to have a little fun with it. Um, you know, he can hear the Smith Center crowd sort of collectively, their dread when he shoots a three-pointer because statistically oh, he does yeah. not make it's... many of them. So he'll call them out for it after the games and be like, yeah, I heard them, but... I knew that was money and just all this kind of like, he's just, he's just a trip. He's real funny. He likes to pop in on Roy Williams press conferences and like, you know, lurk over his shoulder when he doesn't see him. And just Theo's always been kind of the jokester. And he even talked about in his senior speech, you know, he talked about how for him, when somebody's down, he wants to make them feel better. And that's just always been part of his personality. So he's, he's been kind of a jokester. So that, that, that's sort of Theo's thing. And then, you know, Joel Berry obviously is a thoughtful, nice kid and, and kind of an emotional emotional guy and 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 you know it, it's been neat to kind of see him grow up over the years and become like the elder statesman on this team and you know he just got engaged the other day i know virginia really? kyle guy got engaged too wow. yeah uh, joel got engaged a couple days love ago. is in the air in the acc yeah he shouted out his fiance it was cool to see and it was it was um i was i was expecting him to be a little more emotional after the game considering they lost and theo pinson really was but joel berry kind of cracked a joke just saying i guess Teams can't stop hitting game winners against us or something. Um, so, you know, I mean, it was, it was neat to see. We, we enjoy those kids covering them. I guess they're not really kids. They're young adults at this point. Uh, but we, we've enjoyed covering them. And, and it was, uh, you know, they, I'm sure they would have rather gone out with a win, but it, it was definitely cool to see them, you know, get through their speeches. And um, it's been cool to follow them throughout their careers. We're going to continue to deep dive on Carolina with Lauren Brownlow joining us now. So this North Carolina team, I feel as if whenever I'm ready to trust them, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't. And the spidey sense should be going bonkers within me as a college basketball watcher and maybe as, as college wa- basketball watchers and bracket filler-outers across the country. I remember that when they headed down to Blacksburg. I was so confident that they were going to just take care of business, and they, they played probably the worst game of their regular season in the mm-hmm. ACC, not counting the Wofford catastrophe. But then they get on a roll after a string of victories, and then senior night looks like it's all going to pan out, and then boom, blindsided again. Are you getting the similar vibes from this team, and what do we do with them in March? Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. Uh, the one thing about, you know, I, I would maybe be willing to, you know, sort of give them an, a, a pass for last night, and then for Duke as well, whatever happens. We know Duke's a talented team. It's going to be Grayson Allen's senior night on Saturday. So, you know, if they get beat by Duke, a lot of people get beat by Duke and Cameron, so what are you going to do? Um, but yeah. I think that, you know, for them, they have things that are a concern and that are going to be a concern going forward, like their defense. I mean, that was a strength for them earlier in the season. It has not been that lately. It has been a weakness, and they've been able to outscore teams. Their offense has been clicking, and it's gotten way better. 
and their offense just wasn't good enough last night to overcome their defense. And I, I think that's the red flag for me when you move into the postseason and try to figure out whether or not you can trust them is, is their defense going to be good enough? Now, Roy Williams has been pretty good in the past at getting his defenses and his teams to play well enough defensively um, to, to, you know, to be in, in March and in the postseason. But, you know, I mean, we just haven't seen any evidence of that yet. So, I mean, that, that would be my biggest reason to maybe not put, like, full trust in them. But the one thing I will say for them is that they have guys on that team that have certainly been there and done that. They have guys that can make plays down the stretch of games. You know, I thought they played well down the stretch uh, against Miami. Miami just made more plays. I mean, it's, it's kind of that, sometimes you have that, those kinds of games. And so they have guys, and we've seen that during the streak as well, that are kind of capable, and multiple guys, which helps, that are capable of sort of stepping up and playing well in big moments. So that's a reason I would trust them, but the defense is definitely a red flag. Yeah, it seems as if their offense and their defense have been going in opposite trajectories, yeah. which makes me I think of my. That e- completely, yeah. It reminds me of an econ class. I'm trying to figure out where they intersect and a good point to to pick them. I think the revelation of Kitty Williams has helped the offense, but at the same time, I, I don't know. What are you seeing in the defensive decline for this Carolina team? What's well, I mean, going on they, there? They, they've they've except for last night, they've mostly kind of figured out three pointers um, in terms of they've guarded them better. Um, they've prevented opponents from taking as many, not to mention making as many in the in this winning streak. But, uh, you know, they, they can't stop the ball, and we saw that come up again as a problem last night, and then they overhelp, and then, you know, you penetrate and kick out for an open three. A lot of teams are going to make open three-pointers on you, even if they don't traditionally shoot all that well from three. So Good passing um, teams I think as well. That, 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 yeah, and that's been, that's been something for Carolina. But really stopping the ball and stopping penetration um, – is, it has been an issue all season in, in different ways. So if they can't get back out to the shooters, um, you know, teams can make three-pointers. I mean, that's just <laughs> that's how it goes. So I think that's going to be a problem for them if they can't get that fixed. I have no idea what to do with this team when the big dance comes around. I think they'll still be in the three-seed range, maybe. Probably a four, probably a three most likely. Are you yeah, they could go up to two, I think, because their RPI is that good. Yeah. Um, I think they were on the two-seed line even heading into last night. So, you know, if they maybe even if they lose to Duke and they're able to go to Brooklyn and do a little bit of damage, I think they could potentially play themselves back onto that two-seed line. I do think a one, unless they beat Duke and win the ACC tournament, is probably out of the question at this point. But, they're, I mean, people don't realize this because they look at the number of losses, even though a lot of college teams have a lot of losses, but their strength of schedule is, is going to help them, uh, you know, maybe get the edge over teams that you would think, like a Michigan State, for example, that, hasn't played that kind of schedule. All right, for a second half of this conversation with Lauren Brownlow, we're going to turn to the NC State Wolfpack. You're down there in the triangle. I don't know how many times you venture into Raleigh, but it has to be pandemonium. I'm just guessing, but I don't know for sure that's why you're here. Tell me the vibes oh, yeah. down there for no, the it's, pack. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, fans are really excited. Um, and, and I, yeah, I get there quite a bit. Um, it's actually the closest uh school to me so I try to cover games there as often as I can and it's been a cool atmosphere and it's been great watching this team sort of uh, you know grow up and, and kind of come into its own um, Kevin Keats is a really really good coach and um, you know they're they, you look at them and they have certain obvious flaws but they've been able to sort of sort of mask those and overcome those I think that's definitely a testament to his coaching and what he's been able to do with this group but yeah people are excited because they keep you know, NC State people keep looking to the next time when they'll stumble because that's what they're used to in their history. They're when at a four-game winning streak. Well for them, yeah, 
Yeah, and they have yeah, Georgia Tech next. So yeah. that's, I, I mean, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of myself and say the Georgia Tech team is a catastrophe this year. And then they finish with Louisville at home. I can't believe Right, this. and they were picked 12th. Like, that's crazy. Unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, that he's done this in year one. But state fans are already a little bit dreading, like, oh, what what can we do to screw this up? And But Kevin Keith has, has not, you know, he has not lost those games, those games that typically state has been in a position to – you know, okay, they can do something good, and then they lose a game they shouldn't lose. Well, well Kevin Keith hasn't done that this year, really. Um, maybe at Virginia Tech, but as we've seen, a lot of teams go to Virginia Tech and lose or have lost to Virginia Tech. So, I mean, there's no shame in that. Um, and, yeah, if they, if they take care of business and win these next two games, as they will probably be expected to do, yeah, they could get as, they could get as high as the two, and, and, and they would definitely get a first-day bye. Like, it's in their control, uh, or the double bye. Actually, so it's just it's crazy to even think that we're in this position. But yes, everybody's excited, and this year was supposed to be a freebie anyway, and now it's it's turned into you know something where they could potentially do some damage, and, and everybody's pretty excited around here. I think they're a dangerous seed, and I think they could get to either Saturday or Sunday in the NCAA tournament. And who knows after the ACC tournament, they could improve their seeding dramatically. Freeman has been very solid this year. Yurt Seven has finally lived up to some of those expectations in that billing he got his freshman season, which was really just dreadful. But maybe that's because Mark Godfrey was the coach. I need to keep reminding myself about that with all these players that will settle down, Luke. You can't judge them because Mark Godfrey was their coach for a little bit. And then Marco Johnson, geez, one of the best passers in the country. I think he's top five in assist rate. It's incredible. I mean, I want to say yeah. where do these guys come from, but then I keep pinching myself. Like I said, what's your what's your take on the NC State starting five, especially? Yeah, and I think that was where at least a lot of us around here, um, when when they were picked twelfth, a lot of us were looking at it like, look, you know, this is they they have good players on that roster. You know, they they really do, and it's like you said, I could see how maybe if you looked at what they did last year and said, well. Look what they did last year. Yeah, but Abdul Malik Abu has had a history, although he hasn't played all that well this year either. Um, I think we all thought year seven would take a step forward. We didn't think he would do this. Got a little um, bit of addition by subtraction like. with uh, the absence of right. BJ Anya. God bless him, but yeah. a little bit of addition yeah. by subtraction. And, and you know, Dennis Smith Jr. was a really, really good player and all, but it just, it, it, you know, it, he was the only person that was able to do much damage, you know, statistically last year. They didn't win many games, so. And it was just a coaching mess uh, last year. He couldn't reach that group. And obviously, Kevin Keith has had the opposite effect on some of these guys. And uh, Torin Dorn's having a renaissance. You know, he play, he's playing really well. And just everybody, for, and Al Freeman, the Baylor transfer, is a guy that is not afraid to take big shots. And he's making them now. But he's also doing it more in the flow of the offense, whereas earlier in the season, he thought he had to take every shot. And it, well, he wasn't very efficient. So he's, he's really improved a lot. They're an unselfish team, and I think that helps them a lot because they have they don't have like one go-to dominant scorer or anything, but they have guys that can make plays, and when they share the ball and, and sort of make the right play on offense, then they're capable of doing a lot of damage offensively. Yeah, I still I can't get over Marco Johnson watching him how good he's yeah. been. Finally, if you're gonna peg the identity of this NC State team for our fans getting ready for March in their brackets, what is the identity of this team? Oh. Like it, 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 it might not help you make your picks, but State is a team that's not going to go away. They're not going to be intimidated. They're not going to – they can take a punch uh, metaphorically and, and sort of keep, keep on moving and, and, and bounce back. You know, they'll, they'll lose. I mean, they've lost games. We've seen it. But they don't go quietly, and they, they don't make it easy on you. Um, 
they have defensive issues, especially um, inside the three-point line, but they're going to try to press and force turnovers. They're going to try to get the game at their tempo, and they've got, you know, a decent amount of guys that are capable of making shots. So um, that's, you know, that's a team, as, a, as ACC teams go, honestly, as, as they're playing right now, I mean, other than like Virginia, North Carolina, you know, throw Duke in that mix with their talent, I, I trust them almost as much as I would trust anybody going into the NCAA tournament right now. Finally, a couple questions on Duke, and then I would have talked about your ballot. But the Grayson Allen Senior Night experience is coming up at Cameron Saturday against North Carolina at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, ladies and gentlemen. What can we expect from the Duke crowd and the coaching staff, Kay and all his deputies? Pandemonium or pandering? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know that there would be a difference, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> the eyes of some, but... No, I mean, look, he's as, and I think a lot of fans and, and and people around programs have a tendency to do this, right? If 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 there's an outside force that you feel like is attacking somebody that you like, there's almost a tendency to rally around that person even more. Um, and I think that you know Duke fans have certainly done that with Grayson. Um, it, almost like a def- an inherent defensiveness, maybe, but they they do rally around him. Um, and I think that you know they'll be they will be very hyped for his senior for his senior game. I think he will be as well. It'll be interesting to see him kind of navigate those emotions. Um, you know, for the most part this year, I think he's navigated his own emotional ups and downs obviously better than he has in past years. But you know, he still had some moments where just watching him, I can see that you know that fuse that sort of line is there. You know, and he just hasn't crossed it. Um, and you know, he's come close at times. And I, and I. I, I think that he's done well to sort of stay on the good side of that for the most part. But, um, you know, it, it's always interesting to me when you add this into the mix and just sort of everything Duke's been going through and what he's been going through, kind of trying to find his rhythm with Marvin Bagley on the court and find his offense. Um, it, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. And it's going to be an emotional game. You know, it's, it's one of those games where you're, when you're in the building, you know, you can feel it. Um, and I know everybody says that about Carolina Duke and, and everything, but it, it is that way. You know those kids camp out for however long to to get you know to get seats yeah, and a bunch, don't stay in their dorms for whatever nerds. crazy reason and uh, you know they certainly don't want to see their their blue devils take an L so you can definitely feel that when you're in the building yeah and the internet hasn't helped Grayson Allen it really hasn't no. the no. fact that we could replay pretty much anything and zoom in on potential trips. And the Virginia game oh, yeah. was really the epitome of that. I I do think that it was the game where we got Grayson Allen back into our lives. Yeah, and, we, you know, I'm actually happy close. for it. Yeah, I was going to say, but I think like um, you know, with that interaction he had with Kyle Guy, I know, but um, loved it. I think it was Kyle Guy, right? It yeah. Was oh, Kyle. it was. And oh, then, with the slapping yeah, away of the and, hand. And Kyle, but um, you know, he said, and I think Kyle actually verified this to another Virginia reporter oh, he did, that yeah, uh-huh. Grayson came up to him after the game and said, "Hey, my fault. Like, sorry." <laughs> so you know, I mean, he's not. He's not perfect, but he's. I think he's trying to be better and trying to do better. And and he does. He does get swept up in it, though. I mean, he's in. He's a very emotional player, and he does kind of straddle that line. And um, it'll, like I said, it'll be interesting with everything that's sort of in play to see him sort of navigate through that um, on Saturday. I would ask you for Duke breakdown X's and O's and what we can expect for them in the tournament, but I don't think there's anybody in the country, and maybe not even Mike Shashevsky, who could answer that question: what to expect from that group collectively. So. Last question. Your ACC ballot. Have you decided to burn it this year because we have no good player of the year candidates? The ACC first team is just incredibly difficult to peg down. Coach of the year might be the easiest one, but there's a lot of candidates. I mean, we could at least say that, right? 
I don't. I, yeah, I was going to say I don't think Coach of the Year is easy, but I only I think there's only two in my opinion. Well, if the, um, if seventeen and one happens, it's a, it's a no brainer. Well, you would think, but a lot of I mean, Josh Pastner won last year and they didn't make the tournament. Yeah, so, awful. well, <laughs> this is a thing that people like to do um, in ACC voting. I don't agree with it. I like to tend to reward someone who had someone who had the best season. How much and can we pay you? That would be Tony Bennett for me. Can we bribe um, <laughs> you to vote for Pastner this year? Just for fun and to be ironic, no. how much will it take? That that really is that there a really price? Well, I don't actually have a technical like I don't have a vote in the panel. I do uh I do submit a vote for all uh, for the AP. Um, they oh. have to do that for all ACC, but I don't have a vote. I'm not on the panel, so to speak. So I don't have an official vote that will count in this mix. I didn't but, know that. Well, um, we can compare fake probably, ballots then. Yeah. Right uh, now, I would definitely vote for Tony Bennett. But I mean, look, if 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 NC State finishes second in the league, maybe with it, you know. Th- He's going to get votes, and I don't think that that's a wrong answer. Yeah. I would still go with Tony Bennett, but I also don't think that that's a, you know, it's hard to argue. I mean, at least they're second and not like seventh and don't make the turn, you know. I, <laughs> at least they've actually accomplished something. <laughs> the fact that Luke May is in the mix for player of the year, I don't know if I would have cry, if I would have laugh, or push it to next year so maybe two players from 2018-19 can win player of the year. I don't know. Because, I mean, there's no clear player of the year. Bagley's missed so much time. I don't know if you can vote for him. And other than those two, I mean, is there really another candidate? I, I can't really well, I think, think of that, someone. I think you just sort of answered your own question, right? I, I think Bagley came back just in time for okay. that not to be as much of a factor. He better have um, a good senior night, right? I mean, that that's going to probably determine player <laughs> yeah, of the year. I know. Who else do we have? No, I hear you. I'd well, say. That's, well, that's part of the problem, though. Who else is there? Like, I if know. there's not another obvious candidate, he's the best that you've seen all year. It probably needs to be him, right? And look, Luke May has had a terrific season statistically, and I, I you know, I think he's a first-team All ACC guy. Um, but he is right now; he's not the best player on his team. That's yeah, Joe Barry right now. I mean, <laughs> so I think that raises yeah. the question: Is Joe Barry a yeah. first-teamer? I mean, because you probably you have to have a one Virginia player, so probably Devin Hall, and then maybe Jerome Robinson. I hope is, Jerome Robinson. He's I been hope a monster. Because so to me, he's the only As, other viable. To me, he's the only other viable like player of the year candidate in terms of what he's actually done this year, uh-huh. in terms of his statistics and how really good he's been. Some people don't like to vote for guys that aren't on teams that you know win a certain win. amount of games or whatever. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that theory, but I know some people do Your that. Your colleagues um, do down there. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> We've had a history of that, but right. And who so, knows? I mean, I, I think like for me, I, I think like he, he should be on there and. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see who else. I don't know that Joel has done enough to sneak back on first team. I think he'll get some votes, but his first part of ACC play, he struggled so much that he might kind of struggle to get back in that mix. All right, LeBron Lowe, thanks so much for joining us on the ACC Beatball Gens podcast. Let us know where we can check out your work and everyone who's listening to us right now. Uh, you can see my GIF previews on WRLSportsFan.com. We are also doing a what we call a second screen viewing experience of Carolina Duke, um, where we're going to be... You can watch us watch the game. It's not too bad of a delay, actually. So if you are interested in checking that out instead of the actual Carolina Duke broadcast, you can go to WRALsportsfan.com during the game and uh, watch us eat some pizza and watch the game and break it down. That's wonderful. I know what I'm doing on Saturday night. You will be on, on my laptop, and I'll have the game on the big screen. So I'll be watching you watch the game. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I'm trying to think. It's like one of those... You know, if you pulled a mirror to a mirror, you know, you get one of those uh, endless yeah. loops. Well, we'll do one of those. Lauren, thanks so much. Enjoy some tournament basketball, and we'll chat soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. 
check her out. Check out the GIF previews. And also, I'm looking forward to watching WRAL watch Duke Carolina. Really looking forward to that. We thought about doing something for our DGen days of a similar effect, but then reneged the idea because it would have been a complete catastrophe. But they'll do a great job. WRAL. We'll check them out. All right. Until next time, we are brought to you by Three Notched Brewing. You can find them in Charlottesville, Richmond, and Harrisonburg, Virginia, as far as tasting rooms. Leave your mark. So long. A lot more content on the way. Check with us on Twitter at ACCBBallDChange. You can also email us, and we'll see you for Conference Championship Week. Until then, so long. <laughs>